When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petham here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 2-1 loss at Villa Park on Tuesday evening to Liverpool. Yes, their dreams of catching Man City somehow are still on, even though I don't think that's going to happen. And Villa fans are going to have to succumb to a very, very annoying and sad final day of the season. I'm not going to say what's going to happen because you can all figure out why I'm annoyed with that. But anyways, this will be a quick little recap for about 20, 25 minutes or so. Apologies that it's late. It just didn't line up with any of us. But Simon, how's it going, my friend? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Um, yeah, Liverpool obviously back technically in the title hunt, but... After after watching that last night, I never want us to lose a game. But if it means Liverpool don't win the league, I'm happy for City to roll over us, to be honest. I do not want that team to win the league. Would you prefer Liverpool to win it? Or would you... Well, do you prefer that more or having to watch um, that that dude that used to play for us lift the title in front of us? What, what hurts I'd, more? Um, well, it wouldn't hurt me Liverpool win the league. I, I just don't like them. And as for <laughs> for uh, if City were to win it, I mean, I I don't harbour any ill feelings to Grealish, to be honest. So I, I can understand why he left. I I still I'm still a huge fan of his and still love watching him play for England. And when he plays well, I, I still think it's a joy. So I yeah, I, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too upset by that. Fair enough. I, I mean, I do I do still like Grealish. I feel like I just it's almost like you left us for this and we could have been here. It's almost like that. I don't even I'm not even going to say that this is a dating scenario I was going to put myself in there. But anyways, let's <laughs> let's avoid my own um, embarrassment. Let's just continue on to what people are here to listen to. But anyways, of course, Liverpool to Aston Villa one, like I said, at Villa Park, Dougie Louise scoring in the third minute from whatever kind of cross that was that involved Watkins somehow falling over and being tripped by one Liverpool defender to then trip the other Liverpool defender by accident. Dougie Louise knocks it in there three minutes in. And of course, three minutes later in the sixth minute, Joel Matip levels things up. Um, Tyrone Mings fell on the ball or stepped on it and fell over. And it was just an absolute nightmare from then on. And of course, Sadio Mane getting the winner in the 60 fifth minute from a uh, well-taken uh, uh, Diaz pass, I have to say. Fair or cross, I guess you could say that more so to that with a nice little header to nestle it in. It, uh, it was an annoying goal, but nonetheless, it was actually a very nicely taken goal and you can't really complain. But you know what? Let's get this one out of the way. Let's talk about the referee because, yeah, <laughs> it, it, if you've ever seen poor officiating, I think it was exemplified Uh by last evening i mean simon you were there what were your thoughts i mean my thoughts i think were echoed by about forty thousand of the villa fans in there it it was I, before i say this i'll just caveat it with we didn't lose the game because of the referee there was no it was not like there was a blatant penalty that he missed or red card or anything like that 
and with the amount of chances we had, you know, we, we should have, that's what sort of cost us taking any points. But having said that, I generally am struggling to think of like a worse refereeing performance I've seen at Villa Park. It, it just every single decision was given to Liverpool. And it was just like the nature of some of them was so baffling. I mean, there was there's at least two or three that I can remember that are just normal tackles where our players had not even slid in. Like some of those ones, like say the, the Mings one on Saka against Arsenal, a few weeks ago, it's not a foul, but you could possibly make an argument for, to, you know, if that was given. But there was, I think there was one around the halfway line when Nakamba is basically standing still and someone runs into him and he, he takes the ball cleanly and a free kick's given. There was one, I think, in the first half when we got the ball and we're looking to break away and Trent just pushes Coutinho over nothing given and then Coutinho gets up and wins the ball and they get a free kick for it just really odd and, and some of the some of the times he decided to try and give us an advantage when there was clearly no advantage I mean there was right at the end I think that last corner we had in stoppage time we should have had a free I'd rather have the free kick on the edge of the box that's more of an advantage and then there was one in the first half where I'm not sure if it was Diaz or Jota one of them I think completely cleans Konza out on the edge of our own box and Cash has got the ball. And the ref's waving advantage. Where's the advantage if your fullback has the ball on the edge of his own box with 11 Liverpool players between, <laughs> behind the ball? It, is, it was just, as I say, one of the worst, if not the worst refereeing performance I've, I've seen at Villa Park just because of... It, just it, it, They made no sense. Like As I say... Some of the tackles where you've not even slid in and you've clearly taken the ball and Liverpool players aren't even asking for a free kick. It, it, it was it was a really, really strange one, and it obviously got the crowds worked off, which to be fair, maybe actually works in our favour a little bit because it sort of helps add to the atmosphere, which I have to say was really good from the off anyway. But I think nighttime games, they always are better atmospheres anyway. Yeah, 100%. And of course, a, a game midweek, of course, is much better too. Everyone doesn't want to be at work and they're looking forward to ending their day as soon as possible and getting down to Villa Park more than anything. And I, I, I can't remember if you already mentioned the one instance that I think you're, well, you were referencing where I think it was in the first half where we got fouled just inside our own um, end. And I think it was either Dougie or John that got the ball. And literally there was three Liverpool players, maybe five feet in front of them. And I, I understand the whole kind of reference and thought process of, okay, play on, let's keep the momentum going. But how is, again, how is that an advantage if you can't move five feet in front of you when you're supposed to be given space to make it an advantage because of a, a plausible foul? So um, yeah, it, it probably wasn't um the best game for uh, John Moss. I guess we could say his name. I was hesitant to say it, but nonetheless, he's retiring at the end of the season. And as Stevie G said in his presser, that is a good thing. So we will believe in Stevie G on that one, at least. Um, It's, it is important to emphasize, like Simon said, that that is not the reason why Villa lost. It was just one of those annoyances where you see the inconsistency with officiating in the UK. And it's just, especially at the top where it should be the best. It is, absolutely shambolic and then you look at other countries where it's 
literally their pride and joy and it's taken seriously and you don't get any of these issues or not near enough as you do in the UK. I don't know. Maybe one day they'll figure their own stuff out. But until then, we'll be talking about this for eternity, it feels like. But Simon, to get back more so into the action per se, I mean, it was it was a great start. We, we started with a lot of um, tempo and I, I would say we were very courageous to kind of press them so highly at times and really put them under pressure. And it definitely obviously paid off with Dougie Louise in the opening minutes. Is there any... Of course, there's an annoyance with conceding so quickly, but with the whole Mings slipping on the ball and conceding so early, do you think it's just unlucky or do you think it's, oh, is it, that's just typical Villa being Villa per se when it comes from a defensive standpoint? Um, uh, it's not unlucky. It's just it's just sloppy. Like, I mean, I think obviously Mings, you know, didn't cover himself in major glory of it, but I don't think it was... A horrendous mistake and there were other opportunities then after that for the ball to be cleared you know it was kind of it was a scrappy goal and it it, it fell quite nicely to Matip to stick away in the end but and like with the the fast start I was a bit surprised at that I kind of thought I was a bit nervous that he might go down the route Tottenham went on the weekend and just sit off them and you can you can see the argument behind that because you don't want to give space to their front three and space for trends to get forward and expose. But I think Gerard sort of made the point in one of the uh, post-match conferences that if you sit back and lose, then you kind of you, you'll have a bit more of a regret about it. It's, I'd rather lose the way we played last night, trying to have a go and. I think we more than matched them, to be honest, throughout the game. And you look at the chances that we created, we really probably should have got at least a point out of that. And yeah, I was I was surprised that we started with the fast tempo, but I think it was it was exactly what we needed to do. Like we sort of with the nighttime game against a big team as well, it creates a good atmosphere. So you can start off on the front foot as well, it gets the crowd going makes them maybe a bit more nervous and it was just it was just such a shame to concede so quickly or like when we gave away that free kick I was like I turned to a brother and I was saying if we can just hold this for sort of 15 minutes we might be onto something here and then obviously you concede that but once we did you could you know they could be forgiven for thinking okay right let's just reset sit back a bit but to their credit they were like no this, you know we're in a game here let's let's go at them and I was really impressed. I, I thought it was it was definitely up there with the best performances we put in under Gerrard. And um, you kind of, the, that's what the biggest frustration is. You sort of come away thinking, oh, you know, if we play like that against Palace on Sunday, we'll batter them. But that is the challenge to go and play like that against Palace on a, a two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. It's, it's very different to a nighttime game against Liverpool. So that's the challenge for the players now. The, They've shown on a few occasions this season, you think the Man City game at home, slightly different to the one last night in terms of the first half, especially in that game, we did sort of sit back. But we had a real go and we, we've shown on occasions this season what we're capable of doing. And so you know it's in there for the players. So, yeah, as I say, it, just, it goes back to that consistency again and trying to maintain that standards. 
do you think, and I'm only asking this because I've seen this on social media a few times, especially last night. And I, I mean, it, I feel like it's hard to really criticize either Kanza or Ming's. Well, I mean, Ming's more so than Kanza probably last night, probably fair to say, but definitely for the second goal, at least I really couldn't kind of put either of them up to a high standard of guilt. But do you think those two as a pair are good enough to get us to where Villa want to go? I mean, I, I do sit back and wonder at times, but then I wonder how you can really improve on those with Kanza still being so young. And I feel like we forget that. And then how poor we look like without Mings all the time when he's not there. So where do you sit with that one? Well, this is the thing. You, you, you see plenty of stuff on online about how, you know, one or both of them need to be replaced. And obviously, if, you know, if you've got ambitions of trying to get into sort of the top six and, you know, long-term top four, you know, yeah, realistically speaking, Mings certainly isn't, ever going to get to that level Konza like you say there's still sort of time for him to improve but for where we are at the moment if, if we if we're saying that next season we want to be looking at a top seven top eight finish in certainly in the Premier League is there that much better that we could realistically attract to the club I'm, I'm not too sure I, I kind of think and then we keep going back to it that a proper dedicated holding midfielder. Now it's not, you know, the magic wand and it's going to solve all the problems, but I think it, it would make a massive difference to adding sort of some solidity to, to that de- defence. Because at times this season, like with not having someone who can naturally play that role, it exposes them a lot. And with the fullbacks sort of getting up high as well, the risk of that with without that dedicated old midfielder is that the defenders are, are probably going to come under a bit more pressure. They showed last season, certainly for the first half of it, how good they can be in a good, solid, settled structure. So I wouldn't be surprised if we looked to to get a centre-half in because you always want to keep upgrading. I mean, in January, we... Bordina in to upgrade on target, who's had a very good season the year before. So, you know, if, if if we can get someone in who's better, I'm not going to be against that. But I wouldn't go subscribe to some of the views you see of, oh, they need replacing because it's, it's not as easy as that. Yeah, no. And I, I feel like when you're looking at it too, I know Courtney Haas only just signed an extension earlier in the season, but I don't know. I feel like now that I'm look, like reflecting on it, I feel like that was more so to protect the club and to actually get a fee for him. And I, to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked if he leaves this summer. He definitely is a player that probably wants game time with the age that he's at now in the midst of his career. And I don't really blame him, to be honest. So like you said, it, it's always important. And I mean, to have Chambers, Konza and Mings as a, as a trio is fantastic. And if you can add someone that's either... Has a, has a wealth of experience or that's young up and coming in a very exciting prospect that, I mean, they're going to have their mistakes, but they're going to make more good than they are bad. Then I mean, by all means, I, I think it is one of those things that we can definitely upgrade, but to, to go back into the, I guess, last night's proceedings per se. I mean, when you sit back and look at this game overall, Simon, I mean, I, I know you touched on it earlier, so I don't want to make you repeat yourself too much, but 
I didn't go into this game expecting much. I thought, you know what? We haven't been fantastic against your traditional top six teams this season. It just hasn't been one. I mean, we beat United at Old Trafford. Now I think that's just a curse. Maybe if we didn't do that, we would have actually beaten a few more instead. But, um, you know, uh, you, you, you destroy one curse and you make a few others. It feels like that's the Villa way. But regardless of that, I mean... How do you feel about this one now, especially going into Palace? Because, of course, Drew against Leicester, beat Norwich and Burnley, going into this one with a lot of confidence. We were very competitive, and you know what? On another day, in my opinion, Watkins could have had at least two probably goals. Mings, or not Mings, Ings, um, could have had one itself if he took out one a little bit better with the one-on-one with Allison in regards to his touch. But going into Palace, are you confident? Yeah, I think you have to be uh, on on the back of that performance and sort of the the uh, the few leading up to that. It's it's like I said, we you know the qualities there in those players. You know, we have got some some good players in there. It's it's just the inconsistency, and I suppose the one positive that you can take, maybe not necessarily from last night, but certainly over the last couple of weeks. Is that it's finally looking like Ings and Watkins are finally starting to, to click together a bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you can't go into a home game with Crystal Palace and not feel confidence, then I think there's something wrong. And that's not to say that Palace aren't a decent team because they've shown this, you know, they're, they're point above us in the league. Like they, they have done well this season. They are a capable team. But... As I say, home to Crystal Palace is a game that you really should be targeting three points from. And as I say, the back of that performance last night, it, if and it's a big if with us because of the inconsistency we've shown. But if you play like that and at that at that tempo, I, I really don't see how how they how they'd be able to cope with that because Liverpool couldn't for large parts of last night, and Liverpool are one of the best teams in the world. Yeah, and I think the biggest difference about last night really that I noticed and that we've all noticed. Well, I mean, you can even say under Dean Smith is the whole concern about being a, a one half side. And I, I felt like yesterday in the first half, I was wondering, okay, when is this kind of high press pressure really going to stop? And to be honest, it didn't really stop. It slowed down at times, but it pretty well continued throughout the game. And we coped with them very well defensively. It's not like, they had a million crosses or close chances that just missed. And we were lucky. Of course, there is a few, I can think of the one where Mings got beat on a header. I can't remember if it was Diaz or whoever it was in the box. And it just went wide of uh, Martinez's, I think right post or to his right, I should say. And yeah, okay. That's lucky, but overall we coped really well defensively. So we're clearly trying to finish the season on a positive and not to be arrogant, but I, I look at palace and then Burnley and then city I mean, four to six points out of the last nine isn't anything to really say it's unrealistic. And to be honest, six points out of those nine are unrealistic. If we get seven, I'd be very, very happy. But I, I don't expect that. And if we get all nine, then, I mean, there's pigs flying over my house and I just want a million dollars and have no school debt anymore. But um, until that happens then that's not the case. But anyways, um, let's get over to the three word summaries over on Twitter, and then we'll get over to our uh, man of the match slash match balls. Of course, Uh, there are 70 some of you that got involved. So thank you very much. It's nice to see that the engagement has 
went back up. Of course, it's usually after a loss that we get more. And um, it was probably for good reason with the whole John uh, Moss controversy. The amount of gifts I have seen of John Moss in a Liverpool shirt is absolutely ridiculous. But anyways, of course, you can tweet us at 7,500 Holt. Post-match usually goes out about, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes um, following the final whistle. So do get involved. It's good fun. Um, let's go to Rob G saying, stop overwatering pitch. I didn't know notice if it was overwatered. Simon, did you? Um, not especially. No, I think I, I saw Louise slip over once in the first half. But other than that, no. Okay, well, fair enough. He's entitled to his opinion. I just wanted to check with someone that was there. So anyways, continuing on, uh, Aaron Field made me proud. Uh, Michael Rudd, Moss is Dross. That would be a a very good uh, podcast title. But then again, I don't want to put that out and make it sound like that's the only reason why we lost. So I will avoid getting abused with that. But anyways, that'd be a good title. Just wanted to say that. Uh, Bob says, done ourselves proud. Um, let's go to David Kearney, two fucking mistakes. Uh, Jonathan Fairless still slipping over. <laughs> There's the, the slipping comments again. Uh, Wes Roach Kearney for Nakamba. Actually, you know what? Before we get to um, the uh, match balls, I do actually want to discuss that. I had that written down and completely forgot to bring it up. So we will uh, bring that up because it's a key talking point of the game. Uh, Rob Watson, John Moss's Liverpool um george templeton encouraging but unsatisfying and let's do three more tim wise uh, a committed effort um stefan driscoll ref paid off and let's scroll all the way down to the bottom and see what's down here because i'm sure there's some pretty good ones um let's finish with um i just want to find a really good one um oh there's there's some really shocking ones to be honest that i almost read and i wish i'd liked them before so i didn't almost read them but anyways let's finish with chris margots saying john moss useless um or actually this one right below it biff sweeney moss sucks ass so there you go i i I guess that works instead um that's an even better one i wish i found that one earlier but anyways there's a bunch of um obligatory stuff towards john moss i we don't hate him as a person it's just we're annoyed with what he called last night. Let's not take it too far. But anyways, it is humorous to see. So, Simon, let's go all over the place with this one, because I don't even know what this edition of the Holtcast is, to be honest, and what any edition is, if it's ever organized. <laughs> but the whole switch for Carrington and the Canva, moving Dougie Louise back to the defensive midfield. What did you make of that? I forgot to bring it up earlier. But for me, it was one of the things that really changed the game. Yeah, I mean... I could obviously Nakamba is his first start back, and you know I think they said that he only had an hour that he'd be able to play. So that that's fair enough. Like obviously you know start him, and I thought he played really well. He's got to come off. Okay, that's 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 fine. But I don't I don't think it was the right move to do that to move Louise out because I thought Louise was excellent last night, and you know we've kind of said. I think quite a few times on here that everyone knows he's, he's number eight. And when he plays in number eight, he's a very, very good footballer. He's very effective in that role. And so by doing that, you, you're you almost taking sort of two players out the game in a way. If you're taking the camera off and, and you're taking the wheeze out and you're putting him in the position that he's not comfortable in. Within a couple of minutes of that, their second goal came from him losing the ball. That is one of those that, be harsh to say oh it's totally his fault or anything I don't think the pass back to him 
you know, was particularly helpful. But he's just, he's not that naturally defensive minded. Like everyone knows that. And you kind of think if you're going to make that substitution, you can look as the obvious one, Callum Chambers, as he played in that role against Burnley and played well in that role. Or, you know, put Tim in there. You know, you can argue he's young. Tucker Maker's 18 as well. He's not like he's vastly experienced. So you put in, you know, one kid on anyway. So I I do think he got that one wrong. Um, uh, to say that cost us the game, I think, you know, you can't really say that. You, never, you know, Liverpool are still a very good team and still have Mo Salah to bring off the bench. So, you know, it being 1-1, and they, you know, we 15, 20 minutes ago and they decided to bring Sally on a bit earlier. There's every chance they would have still gone on and won that. But it it did seem to slightly change momentum for probably about 10 or 15 minutes. Liverpool got a lot more possession sort of higher up the pitch than they'd had for most of the game. So I do, I don't necessarily have a problem with taking the camber off because obviously you don't want a tired player on, on there against a team of that quality just brought Thiago on as well, I think, a few minutes before. But I think I think it was the wrong person came on because you took Louise else and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a shame that, that happened, I think. Yeah, I mean, Nakama did play very well, in my opinion, and you could tell probably around, I mean, you could tell he's been out since December with some of the passes that I'm thinking, oh, those are suicidal. Um, I think there's a few in front of our own box and just even the simplest ones. And you go, okay, that is typical in the Canva at times, um, but you have to give them slack there. But no, I do agree. I mean, I thought you're either bringing on Big Tim, and I'm always going to refer to him as that. I cannot pronounce, even though you're a boonum. I think that's how you pronounce it. But anyways, Big Tim is what it's always going to be called on, on this podcast for me. Um, I felt like you could have brought him or at least Chambers on. And I I understand the perspective of it's almost like a stick or twist moment. Maybe Gerard thinks, you know what, let's go for it. Put Dougie back there. He can maybe string the ball a little bit um, longer, kind of get a little bit more passing range back there and bring Carney on to kind of prove himself and maybe a little bit more attacking prowess. But it just if anything, it made it worse, to be honest. We just, I don't know. We kind of gave up on, I wouldn't say gave up on defending, but it really looked like the midfield's objective was just to get forward more so than anything. And I mean, when you're doing that against Liverpool and then they bring on um, Salah as well, um, you're always going to be looking for trouble. And fortunately, that's what we eventually got. But it is what it is. At the end of the day, it's a it's a 2-1 loss and it's still very competitive. And you know what? We still have one... Um, top six side to play so we never know what could happen um i say that's a lot of sarcasm but anyways with a little bit of hope as well so anyways simon let's go over to our man of the match slash match ball so who would you give yours to um as i thought there was a few really good performances last night for the first hour i just said you could probably toss a coin between the camp and louise but obviously you know, that substitution and then Louise sort of drifted a bit out of the game after that. So I think I think I'm gonna go for the overall 90 minutes. I think I'm gonna go Luca Dina actually. I thought he had a really good game and they he, he defended, I thought, really solidly last night. So there's been a few question marks over his defensive ability uh, since he's joined us, but I thought he was really good at the back, got stuck into challenges and he, he got forward really well as well and put in some really dangerous crosses. Um, yeah, so I think I'll go Luca Dean. I thought it was his 
best performance in the Villa shirt. Yeah, 100%. I mean, mine was between um, Luca Dean or Ollie Watkins, per se, and I'll get to the reason why I chose Ollie Watkins, and I did so in the player ratings as well. Cheeky plug, as always. Um, <laughs> but with that, I mean, with Luca Dean, I mean, when you're playing against Luis Diaz, I mean, we all know what he's... I wouldn't say we all know what he's about already, but he's going to turn into one hell of a player if, if you don't really deem him one as of yet. And Dean coped very well. And I mean, that's probably the difference that you'll say, see with Ashley Young and Luca Dean. One gets forward more so than the other did. And unless maybe Ashley Young was a little bit younger, um, but defensively, I, I thought he held his own very well, was able to intercept quite a few, make a few crucial tackles and really just kind of having that option to really kind of relieve pressure and get the ball forward is really nice to see as well. And I mean, his deliveries were um, really second to none. It's unfortunate. No one really latched onto a few more in the Liverpool box, but like I said, I'm going to go with Ollie Watkins. I mean, he had that good opportunity that Allison denied in the first half. He was on a quick little break down the right that um, Simicast got to excellently, I have to say, even though it was a little bit questionable at first. But, I mean, he was an absolute handful for both center backs and really took both the, t- uh, the attention of both of them, of Matt Tip and Van Dyke. And I found with that, it really allowed someone like Luca Dean to get those kind of crosses into the middle of the box with a few more kind of, I guess, opportunities for your Coutinho's or your Ings to really get onto and actually have a chance. I feel like most of the time with those, they go into the box and we don't really have anyone in there with the presence to convert them. And that was the biggest thing. I think he just ran that back line ragged and it was really nice to see. And like I said earlier, I, I thought, you know what, on another day, he probably could have had two goals himself with how he was playing. But we'll have to wait and see if his form uh, continues for the rest of the season. It'd be very nice to finish on a high. But uh, anyway, Simon, I said this will be quick and never is that quick, but I think we'll wrap things up there. Thank you very much for joining me. Of course, if you want to find Simon on Twitter, it's at Cy O'Regan. It'll be in the description of wherever you find this podcast. Find me on Twitter at talk Aston Villa down there. It's in the description as well. Tweet us at 7,500 to Holt. You can email the podcast Holtcast at gmail.com. And of course, this will be out um, hopefully today. Of course, you're hearing this on the Wednesday. So Wednesday evening, UK time, late afternoon um, here in Canada slash East Coast US, I guess you could say. But keep an eye out on the podcast feed. We should have a very, very good um, Palace preview coming out, I hope, on Friday. Um, You'll kind of see what that's about at that point. So keep an eye out for that. But anyways, we'll leave it there. And don't forget about the villa. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.